following is a message from Praise and Worship, a community of people in Branson, Missouri who are loved by Jesus and joining Him in His mission to bring love and hope to all people. For more information and for more audio and video content, visit www.branson.church. If you're like me, when you read that, it's got this, well, it's got a double-edged sword going the whole time. It's like there's this, hey, don't harden your hearts, but here's the gospel. Hey, don't harden your hearts, but here's the gospel. And that's exactly what we're doing today as we seek to enter his place of rest. And it's interesting that the the author of the Hebrews, again, by the power of the Holy Spirit, uses that language to teach us about this, that that rest is something we go into. It keeps using that word enter. It's a place we go. And we're going to make the case today that that place is right here. We'll talk more about that. But before we do, let's pray about entering his place of rest father we ask you to prepare our hearts and minds for this time that we would indeed receive the double-edged sword that it would cut to our soul and to our marrow that it would it would be to our joints and to our the depths of our being uh, and that it would both um, take away what should fall away and that it would renew what needs to be healed and made new Lord, I pray that the devil and all of his minions and ilk would be cast out of this place, this place of rest. That this place would be made holy by you and that all the darkness would just be taken from us by the power of your light given to us by your Holy Spirit through your word. And Lord, we pray right now for your grace and for your mercy and for your perfect peace to be poured out upon us In the mighty name of Jesus, the Christ, our Lord. Amen. So I want to tell you a story. It's a very personal story, and it's an important story, but it directly helps us with this challenge of the place of rest. So I want to tell you, back in the spring of this year, we had, we were, well, I say the spring, we were, it was, you know, March and April, right? I guess that was spring, right? Um, I think we had a really long winter, though, so it didn't feel like spring at all. And we were, we, as a congregation, we were doing all these things. We were getting ready for Easter. And we got up to the point of Easter, and we had a great celebration. We were disappointed we didn't get to worship outside because the winter was still going. And, um, and so we, we did that. And then the very next Sunday, Pastor Dar came here, and he, he led us in a special study. And I went to a place called Camp Windermere, which is up in central Missouri, with our youth group that we were doing um, a special re- youth retreat. And the retreat was great. But during that retreat, there was a point in the weekend where I almost died. And I'm saying that very literally. I, I, uh, I think I, I don't know what happened to me, but I was overcome with stress. And um, I was all alone in the woods of Camp Windermere, and I, I just nearly let that stress overwhelm me. I don't know how else to say it. And in the weeks that followed, I couldn't get rid of that stress. It was just, it was just like a giant... 3,000-pound piece of rock or something on my back, right? Just pressing me down. And what's interesting is when I read this scripture that we read from Hebrews chapter 4, the first 13 verses, all of a sudden, it's one of those things where you're like, I was doing exactly what this author is warning us against. Because there's a strong warning. Don't, throw, don't let your hearts be hardened when God's promises come to you. That's what's going on here. And this idea that we go to a place of rest, 
It's like I was coming and talking every Sunday about the place of rest in, in as many words, and I was not entering it. Does that, does that make sense? Do you hear me when I say that? And it's important that you hear this story because, because all through April then, I was just getting worse and worse and worse. And it got to the point in May, the first couple weeks of May, I, was just, I couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. I was thinking about going to the emergency room. I mean, it was really bad. And stress is one of those things that does this to you. And stress is an interesting thing. It's a, it's a term we essentially invented in the 20th century. I don't know if you've, the way we use it now, is a, it's a new term in our language. And it relates to what, what some people call modern life, right? See, if you go back in time, only maybe a little over 100 years, you know, we, our lives would be very different on a typical day 100, 110, 120 years ago. We wouldn't spend all our time you know, looking at screens and, and doing things like that, we would spend our time gathering wood <laughs> and, and, and making sure we have enough for the winter and we would be preparing meals, which we can't prepare in 10 or 20 minutes. They would take hours to prepare and we would be, you know, wearing clothes that we only have like maybe two or three outfits for the whole year and we would have to repair the clothes. I mean, it was just a very different life. And they had their own kind of stress. But, but you know, because I always think, you know, um, not having indoor plumbing. That's a different kind of stress, right? That's another thing. So, so you, you, you fast forward to our time, and, and we don't have to do those things. I mean, and we can be thankful for that and praise God for that. But we have different things that happen. Like, for example, one of the things that's different in our time now is we have a very wide view of the world that wasn't, simply wasn't around at the dawn of the 20th century. And what I mean by is this, is we know what's going on on the other side of the earth in real time. Imagine living in a world where you barely knew what was going on on the other side of town or on the other side of the county. How different your perception of the world would be. And when we all of a sudden know that there's an earthquake going on in that country and there's a hurricane going on on the other side of our country and there's this thing going on and there's that kind of murder and there's this kind of drug abuse and there's this kind of sexual abuse and there's that kind... Do you see what's going on? Do you see, what, do you see how our knowledge, our reconnaissance, for lack of a better word, of the world starts to just jade us. It starts to harden us, if you'll allow that language. Because one of the things that when we look out at the world and we look at everything that's going on, one of the things that's going on is that the devil's sitting right there next to him. He's like, yeah, that God guy, he doesn't seem to be doing much, does he? Yeah. And our hearts begin to harden. Even if we don't consciously entertain that thought, it's what's going on. And then, you know, and then we, we get wound up and caught up into all of the drama because there's this other thing that didn't exist 100 years ago, and that's called social media, right? And that's an interesting, interesting animal because now we can participate in the sharing of the conversation, for good, bad, or otherwise. And all of that, um, there's, again, there's good in all of those things. It's very good to know that there's a storm coming. We like that. We, need to, we can prepare and all those things. It's good to know if there's diseases and things that we need to prepare for and get medication for. There's plenty of good, and so don't hear me wrong. But we need to be aware that there is that other side of the coin. And that other side of the coin can bear us down. And in my case, you, know, it, it, you, have, that, you have that stress of all of that, but then you enter into the you start to have fear, right? And you start to have fear. Well, what if, what if we do this wrong? What if that happens wrong? What if, what if we fail in this? What about, oh, and yeah, you know, somehow I'm supposed to be a dad, and somehow I'm supposed to be a pastor, and somehow I'm supposed to be, and you can just keep going in that list, right? And stress can just bear down on you. And this is where we want to come, is to the place of rest. Because God has a very specific 
command and a very specific promise. It's the two, it's two sides of this sword that we're going to look at today. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, since the promise, there's the promise, right? Anytime you see that word promise, epangelion in Greek, it's very close to gospel, which is euangelion. It's this idea of it's something that God does for you and for me. The promise of entering his rest still stands. Let us be careful that none of you is found to have fallen short of it. Now see, right there, right in that language, we immediately start to, start to um, kind of get that yucky feeling like, well, does that mean I have to do something for God to give me his promise? No, the promise has been given. What he's saying there is don't, don't, you've got to be careful to not throw it out. Don't take it and then just, eh, whatever. Because in our culture, when we do have this real-time view of the whole world, more or less, sometimes what we will start to think is we are in a better perspective, we are in a better position than God is to determine what is just. See? And so when we have that feeling, when we start to have that, that urge, that's where we're starting to, the heart is hardening, and we must be cautious of that. We must be careful. As he says here, there's actually a word, the word in there is not really be careful, it's like be fearful, it's fearful. It's Phobos. It's this, you know, it's this fearful thing. And, and, and we, need to, we need to be treating this um, with great care. Take a look at verse 2 because he continues this concept. He says, For we also have had the gospel preached to us. Okay? So we're, we're among God's people. That's not in dispute. You and I have received the good news. Gospel is good news, right? Just as they did, but the message that they heard was of no value to them. So they, they, they heard it. But they were like, I don't need that. I don't want that. And, and this is a, the reason he's telling us is because we are in that same danger. We, are, we go through life and the, the weight of life can bear down on us. And I know from personal experience, it can crush us. right? And what was I doing wrong in the midst of all of my stress and all of my... What was I doing wrong is I was keeping it right here. And I was sharing it with no one. And so what was going on is that the more I did that, the more I became, I put myself in the role of God, of the one who would take it from me. I just need to work harder. I just need to do better. I just need to try more, right? And what that does is it just, it just continues to, it's like that trash compactor in Star Wars. No, nobody remembers that but me. But anyway, it just <laughs> sorry, it's, it is. And so, <laughs> there you go. And so, and so it just, you know, it's just, right? And that's what we feel. And, and then what happens is the gospel, if you are thinking you are the only one who can deal with this, the gospel has no value. And this is what he's talking about. And why did it have no value? Because of that last line. Those who heard it did not combine it with faith. This is what we do sometimes. Is we, we will take our faith off, excuse me, take it off like it's a hat, and we put it in the closet, and we wait for next Sunday when we put it back on again. I'm only, guys, I'm not talking to you. I'm telling you what I do. It's my sin, right? And, but I know I'm not the only one. I know we all struggle with that, and it becomes this sort of compartmentalized approach. And, and see, what happens is the whole purpose of the worship service here, right now, is that it would be a place of rest. A lot of people will think that you go into worship in order to do something for God. Guys, this is the place where we come, that He does something for us. That's what the purpose of our gathering is. Certainly, we, we come and we, 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 we show up, but he is the one who does it, and that is what faith is all about. The book of Hebrews, 
you, some of you guys may know this, but when, we, when it gets to its like, climbs up to this, its climactic point in the story, the whole point is faith. There's an entire chapter, I can't wait till we get there, chapter 11, that we'll talk about this, but faith, it talks about in there, is the evidence of things which are unseen. It's, it's looking out across the landscape and seeing earthquakes and hurricanes and injustice and ugliness and failure and saying, I believe that God has something better. I believe that He is doing something more. That He is going to heal me and heal this world. That's our belief. That's our faith. And, the pro- and it's based on the promises of Jesus. He, he dies on the cross. He comes out of the tomb. And then by the end of the story, He is saying, Behold, I am making everything new. And guys, when you and I look around the world, we don't see it very often. And that can cause our hearts to harden. But when we trust in God's Word, we combine it with faith, the opposite happens. Take a look at John chapter 6, verses 28 and 29. Now this is very interesting because we're sneaking out of Hebrews to go and look at what Jesus had to say about this. And this is very important because as we talk about what is faith and what it means to follow Jesus, I have to tell you that like 9 out of 10 times when I'm sitting one-on-one with someone and we're talking about faith, they'll be like, yeah, but there's a part that we do. There's work that we need to do, and of course there is, but not not in order to get good with God. Not in order to receive God's promises. Listen to the words of Jesus. Now these are the people, all the, the crowds and the Pharisees and everybody who were gathered around Him, and they said, what must we do to do the works, and I think it's very important that they paint that plural, right? The works that God requires. Jesus answers with a singular, the work, it's just one thing, right, of God is this, to believe in the one He has sent. Now consider this this when you think about it, because because if you're saying, you're you're meaning that all God wants me to do is to believe in Jesus. No, that's not what I'm saying. That's what Jesus is saying. Please hear His word then allow them to unfold. Allow the promise to happen. See, this is where we have to be careful not to, not to harden our hearts and, 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 and be oriented away from God, but to keep our eyes on Jesus. That's something else that happens in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12. Our, fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. See, and this is what happens, is when we, when we do the work of God and we believe that Jesus is real, that when we're looking at the hurricane victims, we're not thinking, where is God? We're calling out to Him to be with them. When we see that all these things are happening in our world and there's sexual abuse and there's, there's, there's drug abuse and there's this kind of abuse and every kind of failure and injustice and ugliness in the world, we're not saying, where is God? We're saying, Lord, please help them. We're believing that God came as a human to die on the cross to save the humans. You've tracking with me. And this is what it means when we believe in the one that he has sent. And this is our work. So sometimes what it means is when we are at our workplace or our school or, or we're hanging out on the lake or wherever we're at, and we're there and we see something, we encounter something, then our work is to believe in the one he has sent. We encounter someone, we believe in the one he has sent. When I 
was alone in the woods, and I, even though I came back from the Camp Windermere, I kind of stayed in the woods on my own. You tracking with me? And so I came back, and I'm like all by myself, and I wouldn't let anyone in. And I don't know why, it just, it just as it got stronger and worse, until one day, one of my friends said, hey, can we get together? And I said, okay, I'm really busy, because I'm busy letting the world crush me, so I guess I can make some time. I mean, that was literally my attitude. I was, I've become, I was getting a hardened heart, right? And so he says, come on over. And so we come out and we sit on a picnic table and, and we're just sitting there and talking and he starts asking me questions. He's like, you know, something's just off with you. And I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, yeah, because you're wasting my time. And in reality, who had sent this individual? Right? The work of God is to believe in the one he has sent. He sent Jesus who then lives in the body of Christ. I mean, we are the body of Christ. He lives in us and He works through us. And this individual sits there and he says, what if you just let go of all of that? And guys, it's just like, you know what? How did I not see it? I don't know. I don't know. But whatever reason, my heart had gotten hard and he just said, what would happen if you just let go of all that? And I did. Take a look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 7. Therefore, God again set a certain day, calling it what? (laughs) Today. He called it today. Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts. See, this is the crazy thing. When the words hit my eardrums, what would happen if you just let go of all of it? Now, if you're sitting there and you're in your right mind, I was not, but if you're sitting there and you're in your right mind, well, that's kind of like, well, duh, you know, let, let the Lord take care of it. Give this to God. Well, you know, that's like, I'll never forget, I was at seminary, right? And, and, and they, they're calling us together because the, all the student body together because they were like, we've noticed that the students have a lot of student debt. And we're like, yeah. And what we've decided that would be a great change is don't have any more debt. And I'm sitting there going, you called us together to tell us these things, right? You know, and you're like, well, of course we should have less debt. This is obvious. Now what do we do about that, right? And, and that, but the difference is, is here when we're in this situation, it's, it's actually true. When we hear his voice, he acts, his words don't just say, this is what you should do. Of course, we should have less debt. What did he do? He paid the debt. Hear his voice. He didn't just say, stop, stop being a bad person. He says, I'm going to make you into a new person. Hear his voice. He didn't just say, hey, you got this thing you're doing wrong. He says, I'll do it right for you. Hear his voice. He didn't just say, you've got all these problems and all these things crushing you. He says, give it to me. I'll take it from you. I will pick it up off of your shoulders as you're smashed into the dirt and your face is in the mud and I will carry it away and I will pick you up and I will wash you clean. That's what he says to you. Hear his voice. This is the promise of God. Take a look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 9. Now you've got to watch out because it says MLV. That's Mark's literal version. And the reason for that is this green, the green words... In Greek, it's all one word, and it's the only place it appears in the entire Bible. And it's funny because, you know, it's no, no fault of the NIV, because they call it a Sabbath rest, and that's not wrong. Um, and other ones will call it different things, because everybody, all the scholars are like, what is this word? What does it mean? And um, I'm very persuaded by some of my professors at seminary who did a lot of work and wrote books about this. And, and the, 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 what it does is it actually goes back into the Old Testament, and it captures lots of different words, and it puts them together. It's a Sabbath celebration. Guys, it's a party. 
It's a time of fun. And you relax your heart and you let go. See, because it's one thing to sit out there at a picnic table and say, have you ever thought about just giving this all to God, just letting it go? Guys, you and I need to hear that every single week. Every single day, probably, if you're like me. And and this this is what we do. There remains then, he's saying, He's saying, okay, so Jesus came and fulfilled the Old Testament. But what remains is a Sabbath celebration, a freedom to gather together and to hear the promises again, to hear that He is the one who has solved the problems, to believe in the one that God has sent to this earth to make everything new, not just out there, but also in here. This is what He has promised. And so there remains then this Sabbath celebration it's this time of joy. It's this time of receiving. It's a time of rest. Take a look at verse 10. Because this is awesome. It's one, this is one of those, like, how did I not know this is in the Bible? Because nobody told me, I guess, or maybe when they did, I didn't listen. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. And he's putting this in the context of the seventh day of creation. So God made the universe, and then he took a day off. And everybody's like, what? But, but that's exactly what he did. And see, it's, it's this idea, rest is much more than just not working. So a lot of times what we'll mean by rest, like what I mean by rest, is like I got this red chair in my basement, and when you enter the red chair, you're in a place of rest. You following me? It's, a, it's like a lazy boy, and it reclines, and you can watch a Chiefs game. It's really good stuff. And so that's one of my, it's a place of rest. But there's, some, there's a place that's better because it's not just a place where you nod off. It's a place where your heart is given. Take a deep breath. Do that with me. See what I'm talking about? That kind of stuff. That kind of stuff. Where it's this, everything's going to be okay kind of stuff. All the bad stuff, yeah. But trust me, I'm working in the middle of it kind of stuff. Do you, you follow me? And see, this is, this is the promise that he's just... Whoever enters God's rest, and just so you know, when we came through those doors, we did. It doesn't matter which doors. It doesn't matter where you're at. It just matters that you're with the voice of God, which is, church is a great place here. It's not the only place, but it's a great place here. You're with God's people, and you're hearing what He promises to you and to me. And anyone who does that is entering that place, that original Sabbath, that original day. See, because God's not limited by time and space. When we go there, that's where we're at. When we are entering His rest, just as God did from His. Take a look at verse 12. So, what happens when we do all of this? The Word of God is living and active. Sharper than a double-edged sword. We've got three colors there because double means... There's, there's two things happening almost all the time. There's the green, which is the edge, which is the good news, and then there's the sword, which is the, it, it cuts us, and this is what's going on. And so let's take a look at this, because what do we mean by double-edged sword? There is this thing called the law, and there's this thing called the gospel, and it's throughout the Bible. It's on, on every page of the Bible. It's in very, pretty much every sentence. And that's why we always have this strange feeling when we read Scripture, because there is an aspect of God's Word that says you should do this. And then there's that other aspect where it says I did it for you. And let those always play out together 
both of those because it's living and it's active. And, it, and for us, what it does is it functions in, in at least three different ways. The one way is it's, it reminds us that we need the Lord, right? Another one, it helps us decide what to do when we have to make choices. Should, so, you know, it's one of those things where you're walking out to the parking lot and you realize the cashier has given you your 20 back that you just paid, <laughs> gave you your change and your money that you paid. What do you do in that moment? Well, you know, it's like, you just go right back here and say, I think you overpaid me back. And that's what you do. But what happens if you don't, right? What happens if you're like, nah, that's their problem. You, just, you know, just put it right in the pocket and you just keep going and you think maybe I'll, maybe I'll buy some steak tonight or something. I don't know what we do, right? And if you ever do that, then what you do is then you have the other edge, which is to say, hey, this isn't the way God designed it. But that, you know, there's other ways to re- reconcile that relationship. Let's do that. Let's first receive forgiveness and then let's turn it around. This is the way it works. It's living and active. And if you look in the next part of that verse, verse 12, the second half of 12, he says his word penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Guys, this is what God is doing for you and for me. It's what he did for me. He judged the thoughts and the attitude of my heart. And I was so, the arrow had gone out and turned so much back in on itself that it was just this shrinking, shriveling heart. It was filled with despair and distraught. And I know that happens to all of us sooner or later. And so what we do is we hear his word and we let it penetrate and heal. It actually does. This is his promise to you and to me. Let's pray about that. Father, I ask that every heart here would hear your voice and receive your gifts. I pray that we would all learn to enter your rest, that we'd be eager to enter your rest, that we would not see it as work, but as a gift that we simply walk into that you have given to us. And we pray boldly, Lord, that you would set us free in the midst of that. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.